was a kid, I hated basketball. I mean, didn't you? I mean, it always seemed when they would say, okay, Steve, it's time for a nap. You're like, oh, I'm going to miss out for sure. I don't want to rest. I don't want to nap. I hate that. I remember my parents telling me, you know what, don't worry, nothing's going to happen while you're resting. Do you remember that? Now, I'm sure they, their intentions were good. And mom watches, so mom, I know that your intentions were good. But I remember one time we're at my grandparents' house, and they said, oh, just go ahead and take a nap because we're all just going to just sit around and talk, which was going to be boring. But before I lay down to go to sleep, I looked out the window. And my dad had my two sisters in a wheelbarrow wheeling them around the yard everywhere. They were having a blast. I thought, this is terrible. Rest was a bad thing to be avoided at all costs. But then when you grow up a little bit and maybe you go to college and you start thinking, man, you get home from going to finals, doing finals, you're like, man, I'm exhausted. I'm getting into the first quarter of class. Suddenly rest starts to seem better. Right, And then when you have young children, parents, I mean, naps are golden, right? I mean, it's like gold. You would give your last dollar to have an extra 10 minutes of nap. And I remember on Sunday morning thinking, as you're picking your child up from the nursery, the very worst thing you can possibly hear from the nursery worker is what? He slept all morning. No! Oh, my goodness, why didn't you terrorize him? Something, don't let him sleep all morning. He's stay awake all afternoon. We were counting on a nap. I mean, our culture, honestly, sometimes as you grow in your career, it's like, look, people who need to rest are weak. I mean, people who are going to rise in their careers, they're going to kill it. They're going to work all the time. They're always going to be getting after it. There's, there's no time for rest. Rest is for weak people. It's for, it's for lazy people. We don't rest here. That's not what we do. But maybe, could rest be a good business principle? I mean, ask Chick-fil-A about that. I know, when every time you miss, mention Chick-fil-A, everybody wants it. You can't go till tomorrow. Just relax. There's other things. Um, but, you know, Chick-fil-A is closed 14% of the time. And you probably know that even in spite of that, their stores per store are actually do more business, more sales uh, per week than McDonald's, Starbucks, and Subway combined per store. But they're closed 14% of the time actually do more revenue. People who study that feel like, well, it's probably because their reputation cements their reputation, it benefits their workers, and it also persuades customers to come with a greater sense of urgency, right? You guys weren't open yesterday, I got to come today. See, rest is a principle that's kind of hardwired into us. It's interesting that as this story of creation begins, Sabbath is a part of it. Sabbath is a part of it. Jesus said about the Sabbath, he, he said this as people were trying to beat him up because he was healing people on the Sabbath. Jesus said this in Mark 2.27, he said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. I love that. 
The Sabbath isn't about proving to God that you love him. It's about allowing God to uh, actually spend time with him. It's to enhance your life, not to cut down on your life. I remember growing up as a kid, you think on Sunday, we used to couldn't do anything. If you were raised in a Baptist home like I was, I mean, you didn't do anything. You kind of went to church and you came home, ate some good food, and there was the radio stations didn't play good music, you know. They played organ music only. I don't know if you all remember that, but that was when I grew up. They had the blue laws. You couldn't shop. You couldn't do any of that. But the Sabbath was made for man. In fact, I would argue we, it's part of our design. It's part of how we work best. You know, you can use something in a way it wasn't designed for. Like you can use a basketball to play soccer with, but it really doesn't work very well, very long, does it? It starts to get lumpy and hard, and it doesn't work very well. You can use a knife as a screwdriver, but... Do that a couple times with that knife, but eventually the blade starts to bend and you wind up cutting yourself instead of trying to do something that needs to be done. You see, dominion includes rest. Having dominion requires rest. I know some of you are thinking, you're like, I don't want to hear about rest. I want to hear about going and doing and allowing God to work through me. I want to want to go and listen, I want you to encourage today. What is God saying to you about your schedule? What is he saying to you about how you live your days? What patterns are you putting in place that fit within the pattern of how he made you? Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says this. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. God created, making all of the heavens and all the earth, it took six days. Or He created everything. He created life. He created the planets. He created earth. He created water. He created the moon and the stars and the sun. Incredible. The seas, the rivers. He created men and women. He created humans. Verse 4. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. It's not really what we would expect. Here's the story of how God creates, and he's got it all set up. Everything's done. Everything's ready. He's given humans dominion to rule over and to be fruitful and multiply and to represent him on earth. And you feel like the story is starting now. Okay, things are going to get going. Let's see what happens next. And he rests. He stops. He rests. What kind of rest is this? When I was a kid, I was like, how, why would God need to rest, right? Why does God, he's not tired, right? Why does God rest? What kind of rest is this? Well, really what the Hebrew word means is simply to cease, to sit, to stop, to rest. Derek Kidner said it's a rest of, a, of achievement, not inactivity. For he nurtures what he creates. We may compare the symbolism of Jesus seated after he finished his work of redemption, dispense his benefits. Remember Jesus on the cross, what are the last words? Finished. Ascends to heaven and sits at the right hand of God. It's 
to completion. He's done the work of redemption. God has done the work of creation, and now he rests. Kenneth Matthew says the verb rested means the cessation of creative activity. It has the same sense in the other occurrence in Genesis where God promises the post-diluvian world, that's the post-flood world, that the times and seasons will never cease. It just means he stopped doing what he had been doing. So God rested. God, remember, he's God and we're not, right? God rested and he set up a pattern for rest. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Matthew says, when God sanctified the day, he declared that the day was especially devoted to him. God and his creatures share in the celebration of the good creation, and God's people are enjoined to enter into the rhythm of work and joyful rest. God sanctifies. This is a special day. It's the only day. He said, this is special. This day is special. It's holy. You need to focus on me on this day. You need to rest. You need to stop what you normally do. And it's interesting. God creates man and woman. And the very next day, he stops. So humans don't enter the world and immediately get after and immediately go do their task. Their first experience with God, their first whole day on earth, is with God in silence. Think about that. See, really for us, the day of the week begins with Sabbath. It begins with rest. We actually rest to work. We don't work to rest. Sometimes people say, well, you know what? I, I haven't worked hard enough. I haven't achieved enough to rest. No, you should rest in order to rest. You don't earn rest. It's a command from God. Marva Dawn in her book, Keeping the Sabbath Holy, says this, to cease not only from work itself, but also, get this, from the need to accomplish and be productive. A need to be productive, to produce. When you don't get anything done, are you a person that just feels useless and worthless and like you haven't done your part? And certainly, this is not a call to be lazy, okay? Because well, well, I shouldn't be productive. No, this is a call to people who are busy, who are trying to do their very best. She says, you need to, to cease from the need to accomplish. From the worry and the tension that accompany our modern criterion for efficiency, from our efforts to be in control of our lives as if what? We were God. I say that very slowly because the more accomplished you are, the better you are at what you do, the higher you rise in your organization, the more likely you are to think. The idea starts to get in your head that I got this. I'm actually in control. You wouldn't say you're God, but you kind of take that role on of importance that everything depends on you. You ever said that? I have to get this done because if I don't get this done, it all depends on me. If those thoughts are going through your mind, if those words are coming out of your mouth, I want you to stop the question, who is God? Who is God? We, she says we need to stop from our possessiveness and our enculturation and 
from the humdrum meaninglessness that results in life pursued without the Lord at the center of anything. It all becomes meaningless. It becomes pointless. It all just becomes one thing after another. You see it every time after someone wins a Super Bowl. What happens next? We got to go win another one. Right? We got to go do it all again. Whatever the victory was, you've got to keep doing it over and over and over and over again. What was it all for? That's life without Jesus in the center of us, center of it all. See, most of us are wired that way. We just got to accomplish more. We just got to do more. I like A.J. Swoboda's book, Subversive Sabbath. Mainly I like that title. Um, He says, the climax of creation is actually not the end. As we so arrogantly assume, rather the day of rest is the climax. When creation all comes together and lives at peace and harmony with one another, Sabbath becomes the culminating root for the entire house. We're so human-centered all about us and what we can accomplish. And God says, no, we need to take a Sabbath and remember who's actually in charge and celebrate what I've actually done. If you're a parent and you've had little children, um, I remember when our kids were little and they're just babies and they can't do anything. You know that? I'm just like, can you do something? I don't care what the big deal is. He's just laying there screaming and pooping. What is the big deal? When can he do something? And then fast forward like six years later, we've got three kids, and they're sitting around a table. And you have that experience where everybody's together. You have that celebration. This is why we had kids. And they became teenagers, and you forgot why you had them. No, um, teenagers are the greatest years for us, actually. They're the most fun, most fun years of all. I think teenagers college and now is even more fun because they're like grown-ups and being a grandparent is phenomenal and sometimes they buy dinner it's unbelievable Um, but that's what sabbath is creation looks forward to the celebration creation looks forward to the celebration sabbath is a swoboda goes on to say sabbath is a scheduled weekly reminder Get this, that we are not what we do. Rather, we are who we are like. Is that who you are? You find out when you lose your job sometimes. Am I defined by that? You find out when your child graduates and goes off to college. Am I defined by him and now he's gone? Am I defined by what I do or am I defined follower of Jesus, you're loved by Jesus. And that should be my identity. That should be what I'm defined by. It's something I can never, ever lose. And Sabbath reminds me that I'm not defined by keeping doing what I'm always doing. It's saying I'm defined by the fact that Jesus actually loves me. He goes on to say, the Sabbath teaches us that we do not work to please him. Talk about this a lot, right? Following Jesus is not about working harder. It's about investing more, right? Sabbath teaches us 
that we do not work to please God. Rather, we rest because God is already pleased with the work he's accomplished in See, it's hard for us to get that, isn't it? It's, we keep thinking, I've got to do more. I've got to earn more. I've got to be more of whatever it is I'm trying to be. The Sabbath says, God's pleased with me, not because I've earned it, not because I'm a good guy, not because you've lived a clean life, not because you're in church on Sunday. Sabbath is a time to remember that God is pleased with us because of what Jesus has that challenge yourself like i don't feel good about myself i haven't done enough i don't feel right about myself i i i don't know if god trusts trusts me or accepts me i don't know listen if you're a follower of jesus god's pleased with what you've done if you're not sure about this this is the point where it really You've got to get the fact that God is only pleased with you when you have repented and allowed him to fix it. He's not pleased with you because you've tried really hard. He's pleased with you because you've invested your life in him and trusted him with your life. Maybe that's your challenge. Maybe that's why you have trouble with Sabbath and trouble with resting because you constantly think God's looking for you to achieve more. He is expecting to give your very best with what you do. He's called you. He's created you. He's designed you for dominion, and dominion requires sacrifice. Mark Buchanan says that Sabbath is an eternal rest. Let us pray this morning. It's a kind of precinct of heaven. A well-kept Sabbath is a dress rehearsal for things above. In finding the rest of God now, we prepare for the fullness of God one day. See, when we practice this idea of Sabbath, when we worship, when we spend time with him, we stop what we're doing, it's getting ready for heaven. We talk about looking forward to the day when we can all gather around the throne of Jesus and we can worship him face to face and we look forward to that day. That day is like Sabbath. Often people say, well, you know what? He died and I hope he rests in peace. Well, if you're resting in peace, you're resting in heaven. Resting in an eternal Sabbath. That's what we're training for. And when we say, God, I can't rest, I can't take Sabbath, we're saying, God, I'm not really wanting to prepare for heaven. I want to live some other way down here. Sabbath is a preparation for heaven. And it has some really tough effects on us when we fail to rest. Carl Honore, in his book, In Praise of Slowness, says, Inevitably, a life of hurry, in other words, a life that doesn't include Sabbath, can become superficial. When we rush, we skim the surface and we fail to make real connections with the world and other people. We tend to just blow by everything. Everything is surface level. We can't connect. We don't have much of a deep life at all. Buchanan says it's easy to spend most of our life breaking Sabbath Never figure out that this is the part of the reason our work is unsatisfying, friendships patchy, our leisure threadbare, our vacations dull. You had that experience? Never slow down enough 
And even our vacations are exhausting. Anybody ever have a vac- exhausting vacation in your life? You get home from your vacation, you're like, man, not only am I tired, but I spent all my money and I spent all my time. That, that, that is the most depressing time in my life. When we took our child on vacation when he was two, and we thought we're just going to drive him around the country and show him to all our relatives. Anybody ever do that? Terrible idea. But we thought we're going to do this. We know what we're doing. We put him in the back of our station wagon. We drove uh, to Kentucky, and by the time we got there, I thought we were going to die. He screamed the whole time. And my sweet wife said, honey, let's just go home. And you know what I said? No, we're going on. We don't stop. We keep going. And we spent the next two weeks miserably showing this screaming six-month-old to relatives. And then when we drove back into town, it was the most depressing moment of my life. I don't have any more vacation for a year. And we spent our money, and we're miserable. Well, Steve, what you're saying is Sabbath will cause my baby not to scream. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we need to build into our lives a meaningful Sabbath. You see, unless we trust God's sovereignty, we won't ever dare to risk the Sabbath going amongst the people. Unless we trust God's sovereignty. In other words, God is really God. And I could really take some time off. And I can trust him with that time. Unless I believe in that sovereignty, I'm never going to trust him with that time. I'm always going to need to be working, thinking about work, preparing for work, never really being So now the question is, well, Steve, how do I keep the Sabbath? What does that look like? What are the things I should be doing? What should I not be doing? What should my mindset be? Well, Buchanan says, and I think very apropos, he says, stop doing what you ought to do. The rest of the week, you're doing everything you ought to do. There should be a day where you're not doing this list of what you ought to do, all the requirements, what you have to do for pay, what you have to do to take care of things. You need to take a break from that. Some of you may not even have jobs. You may be retired, but the question is, you spend your life, you spend your week still doing stuff. What are the things that you ought to do and take a break from them to rest and to celebrate who Jesus is? I love Mark Comer's, John Mark Comer's uh, book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He says, when he considers Sabbath activity, he says, Is this rest in worship? Can I rest and worship God? Can I rest and think about a powerful, awesome, amazing God? Then I'm going to do it. But if not, and if it's kind of a question of, ah, maybe, maybe, sort of, I'm not really sure, then I don't, I don't, I don't do it. There's so many things you can do on Sabbath. It's not just about taking a nap, although I'm a big believer in naps on Sabbath. I think we'll all be better off if we have a nap. Um, so what can I do? What, what does this look like? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of a day you can take. For many of you, it is going to be Sunday because it already has worship built into it. But for pastors, it's usually not Sunday because it's our busiest day. It's the day we work the hardest. I know this doesn't look like it. You need to take a day. The requirement is not that you take a certain day, but the requirement is that you take a day. 
and have 24 hours of it to stop doing all the things that you normally do and celebrate, rest, and worship. There's all kinds of activities that you can do. Some say, well, can I play golf? Well, I would say you could play golf as long as you're not going to come home frustrated that you didn't play well. If you're just going to go out and have fun and enjoy it, and you're going to come back refreshed, and you can worship because you're out in the beauty of the of the beautiful golf course, and it's and you maybe you're with great friends. But if you're going to come back, if you're going to if you're going to be frustrated at how bad you don't don't play golf, don't do that. Um, some people say, "Well, I like to garden. I like to work in God's creation. If that can be worshipful and restful for you, great. But if you're like me and it's really just a lot of work, not so much." Some people say, well, should I be around people? Should I gather people, have people in my home? Should it be like a party atmosphere at my house and gather a whole bunch of people? If you're an extrovert, amen to that. If you're an introvert, maybe not. I love to be around people as long as they go home at some point. And I get to have quiet and sit and look at my favorite palm tree. I mean, introverts, give me a head nod if you're an introvert. But extroverts are like, what are we going to do next? For them, they're refreshed by that. I'm refreshed by being around Shelly Templeton, who's an extrovert. She's going to go nuts all the time, right, Shelly? Is that right? And poor Gary's like, can we just have a break? Nod your head, Gary. That's true. You can. We're like that, too. Julie's an extrovert. I'm on the introvert-extrovert borderline, but I, I like my time, my downtime. There's many other things you can do. You can enjoy music good music. Um, You can enjoy great art. Um, As long as it's restful and restorative. I don't recommend watching movies that are going to be super intense. You walk away going, man, i got to think about that the rest of the day. Stop it. It's not going to be worshipful and restful. But nature is a big part of this. Getting out in God's creation. Walk the beach. Walk the park, go to one of our amazing preserves we have in South Florida. Um, experience God's incredible creation. It's been proven in a lot of studies to be very restful and restorative. And worship him as you're doing that. Great food is also a good idea. In the United States, a lot of times we're feasting all the time, right? Make your Sabbath day a day where you have something special. Something special as you worship, as you gather Enjoy life. It should be celebratory. It should be worshipful. It should be restful. Now, if you have young children, there's no way you can do this. Just give it up. You're going to be miserable until they're in high school. No. If you have young children, you just need a plan. Maybe you want to trade off with another caregiver, family member. Maybe you want to trade off with your spouse. Say, honey, Somebody needs to get some rest. Looks like I need to get some rest. Honey, let me, let me give you, I'll give you an hour, you give me an hour. Let's do something. Do something to make sure that you can have a different day. Stuff still needs to be done. Kids still need to be taken care of. All that needs to happen. But I believe God will honor your heart saying, God, I want to honor you with the Sabbath. And I want to make sure I remember that you're God and I'm not. And I'm going to do things a little differently one day at a time. See, rest demonstrates dominion. 
rest reminds us that God is in charge. He's given us dominion, and he's instructing us in that dominion to take a Sabbath, to be at rest. See, God's really serious about this. It's not just some thing you do if you happen to have time. It's not something that you squeeze out of your life and then wonder, why in the world am I still in life? It's how you were made demonstrates it to us and he's built this history if you're a follower of Jesus I want to urge you this week designate a day it can be the rest of the day today but you're going to celebrate you're going to rest you're going to worship don't miss out on what God wants to do through the Sabbath if you're not a follower of Jesus yet I want to encourage you Often we think of Jesus, we think of God as having these incredibly impossible requirements to keep. God doesn't call you to work harder and try harder. He calls you to, calls you to invest more. When you follow Jesus, you're investing your life in him and saying, Jesus, I want you to have my life. I want you to save me from my sin. I repent of my sin. I can't work harder to do better. I need you, Jesus, to save me. what he's called you to and when you're a follower of his sabbath needs to be a normal practice you can celebrate that would you pray with me heads are bowed and eyes are closed i want to ask you what's your sabbath practice are you missing what god wants to do through you and in you are you missing a life that honors him Today, would you set that as a priority? Heavenly Father, we repent of our sin of busyness. We repent of our sin of assuming that we're going to have to work all the time. God, we repent of that because that's not how you made us. God, our tendency is to overwork. It is to overdo or to be have our schedule cram-packed and to never have any downtime. That's not how you made us. We want to conform our lives to you. Not to be lazy, to work hard six days. But to scream that you're God and we are not for Sabbath. To make that as our witness to a watching world. Because you are a great and awesome and mighty God. And we trust you with all that we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing?